Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Martin studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. Today on the show, we're going to talk a little about tiling in crop. But we've got a lot more for you today as well. And if you have any questions or if there's anything you'd like to talk about that's happening on your farm, you can give us a call here. Our phone lines will be open throughout the show, 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You could also email us, radio at agphd.com, or find us on Twitter, agphdmedia, Brian Hefty or Darren Hefty. All right, so... We'll get to the tiling thing here in a little bit, but I I wanted to start the show today just talking about wet weather. At least in our region of the country, so we farm in South Dakota, and if you look at our region, it's been really cold and wet, and planting is delayed, and quite frankly, planting's delayed all across the Midwestern United States. So uh, we're getting a lot of calls from people who are just, they're down in the dumps, and I'm going, okay. I can understand that you're frustrated. I'm frustrated too. But the thing is, we got to stay positive. If you look at all the factors that we have today that are positive, I mean, everything from we have high commodity prices, we now have good subsoil moisture. There are a lot of these areas in the Western Corn Belt that were absolutely in drought over the last couple of years. Well, that's gone. That's done. So there's, there's subsoil moisture to raise a great crop this year. Um, And the other thing is delayed planting. Yes, it's going to hurt your yield a little bit, but it's not like it's going to absolutely destroy your yield. I was sharing with some agronomists this morning that back in 2019, so only three years ago, we had the wettest year in the history of our farm, almost double normal precip that year. Well, we, we were delayed planting, even though all our crowns tiled and, you know, we should be able to get in early. We had some fields we just could not get into until it was pretty late. And I was just saying, you know, we had a cornfield planted the end of May that still went 200 bushels. We had a soybean field that was planted in early June that still went 52 or 53, something like that. It's like, okay, are are those up to our farm averages? No. But when you look at today's commodity prices, even if you get 80, 90, heck, even... 70% of your normal yield, you're still going to be just fine. And I'm guessing your profitability is going to be great. The commodity price makes up for a lot of this. And then the other side of that is, okay, if our yields are a little less, then just think this all the way through. What does that mean? If if we say, okay, we're going to plant a little late, my yield potential is a little bit down. All right, well, now your summer fertility that you were going to put on, you can spend a little less on that. This fall, when it comes time to fertilize, because I hate to break it to you, but the odds of that fertilizer prices are going down between now and fall are pretty slim. Well, this fertilize, this fall, you're going to save money on fertilizer if you don't use as much this year. So that's good news. And let's face it, this is this planting delay is running across an enormous percentage of the U.S. crop acres. So that means that in total, we're going to be looking at a little bit lower yields, not maybe a lot, but even a little bit, even every one bushel makes a difference on next year's price. So because we're going to have just slightly lower yields, then that means we should have a little bit higher price next year. So it's nothing to get exceptionally concerned about but believe me i understand because we've been there we've had fields flooded water standing we've had some before where it was july 5th 
by the time we were finally able to plant the beans. <laughs> that, that stinks when your goal is to plant in late April and you can't plant till July 5th. So I'm just trying to tell you, we've been there too. I understand you're going to be frustrated, but try to keep a positive attitude about it. And anyway, the thing that I closed on with all these agronomists this morning is I just said, look, don't ever forget that we have the opportunity here in North America that most people around the world would kill for. I mean, imagine being a farmer in China or right now in Ukraine or Russia or many of these countries around the world that are third world countries. Every day you and I get to wake up and we get to think about business and family and a lot of good stuff. Well, for about 90% of the world's population, every day when they wake up, they got to think, am I going to be alive at the end of the day today? Am I going to have enough food to get through today? I mean, there are so many horrible things that could happen in in most other countries in the world. So just kind of keep that in mind. We have tremendous opportunity here where we're at in North America and we can have a fantastic year yet in 2022. So stay positive. All right, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's now mailbag time with Brian and Darren. All right, Brian, uh, first question comes from Brian, and he said, all right, guys, I want a tillage answer from you guys. What is your favorite form of recreational tillage? Well, I don't like any recreational tillage, but we use tillage because there at certain times so just for example we get manure applied on our farm from a dairy that's right next door and that manure gets injected okay so that's going to be my favorite form of tillage and I, I like it when we're running deep relatively deep let's call it 12 to 16 inches deep and I'd like to have something fanning it out some type of sweep down there to fan out that manure down below so that's one of the things um I, I, I guess it all depends on the situation. And so I understand where you're going and with this question, I think. But when that word recreational is in there, then that to me means it's unneeded. Sometimes tillage is needed because, for example, I don't want to leave my manure on top of the ground. That would be bad. I'd lose some of the nitrogen. There'd be a lot more smell. So that's just one example of where tillage is absolutely needed. We talk sometimes on the show even about, because a lot of people have gone away from moldboard plowing, and we're not saying, oh, everybody needs to moldboard plow. But there are some soils that are, let's say, 10 or 15% organic matter. They'll do better if they can just lower the organic matter levels, and they can by using a moldboard plow. Again, I'm not saying this is needs to be done by everybody, but there are times and places when tillage is absolutely important. All right, one thing you will have to do disturb the soil a little bit to make happen is putting in drain tile. We'll talk about tiling in crop on today's program. Stay tuned. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. Do you have crop failures due to flooding, drought, 
or another event, you may need to consider a better burndown regimen. Adding just two ounces of New Farm Panther SC to your tank mix not only provides faster results, it provides residual that lasts. You gain flexibility to keep your cropping options open. Ask your dealer for Panther SC and get Panther Power in your tank. Maintaining your crops is as important now as it's ever been. Howler, a revolutionary fungicide from AgBiome, can help. It provides long-lasting protection from a broad spectrum of foliar and soil diseases that affect crops. Howler is OMRI listed, has multiple modes of action, and has minimal pre-harvest and re-entry intervals. It's flexible, easy to use, and is available right now. Visit agbiome.com forward slash howler to learn more. Compromise is nice if you're at the playground or scouring yard sales. But farmers know better that middle grounds have no winner. That's why there's Revitec fungicide, fast-acting and long-lasting, preventative and curative, disease control and stress reduction. So leave the settling to little Tommy at the seesaw, an old bargain bill, and take your full prize in yields with Revitec fungicide for uncompromised performance. Always read and follow label directions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. And we went into that last break and I made the comment about installing drainage tile in crop. After planting, crop could already be up and yet we're going in there putting tile in. And I know this one is fun because when we show pictures of this on Ag PhD TV, we always get a response from people. Wait, you got crop up. You can't do that. Can you? And then we also get feedback from folks saying, man, this is how I've gotten almost all the tile done on my farm. We just don't have any time in the fall to get this done. So when my crop is really small, it's a great time for me. Uh, so we got Kevin Lipper down with us right now with Lippert Tile Plow over in Minnesota. Kevin, do you do any installation in crop like that? We do a lot of it. You know, I remember back a, a few years ago, Kevin, when everybody was just booked up. Man, it was like this tiling revolution. There's so many people wanting to do it. And I remember a, a local uh, tile installer here that said, well, are you willing to do it in crop? And I, we started getting a few local questions here. What do you guys think? Because you guys do that on your farm. How does that work? And, you know, what do you, what are the big concerns, Kevin, if you're doing it in crop? Um. Their concern is how it looks for a few months. <laughs> it's about the only concern, but uh, we've done it several times, and the guys are, when they've done it, and they have a crabby look at me for a few months, but when they go to combine it, they're like, the beans are actually better right over the dial line. Because we take in, uh, once we uh, install the towel, we close it all, then we run a disc over it, then we run a, no-till drill and drill the beans in right over the top of the towel lines and you go to a little earlier variety of beans and it matches up and I mean you can't combine six miles an hour but the towel gets put in in actually really good conditions you know and uh, they don't they don't notice any yield yield difference at all they can't even see it on the monitor 
I know Brian's made that comment here a lot too, looking back where we've done tiling in crop and he's like, I don't even see where that was on the monitor. We we had great crop right through that area. And, you know, if you left a check strip and left some of those areas not tiled, I think you might see a difference because we know we're losing yield in those areas and we can see it back on the historic maps. And now those areas are some of our best yielding spots on the whole farm. Well, here you go. Great example this year, Kevin. We got a wet spring. Yeah. I would do about anything to get the tile in the ground right now. We could really use it. Yeah, that's what the guys are going to have to look at is, you know, putting them in, you know, in the beans when they're up and stuff like that to get the tile projects done. You can't wait till this fall and, you know, they got to spend some money. They can't, can't wait for it to be absolutely perfect. So, I mean, they get tile booked and stuff like that. I know I can't take on any more work yet this spring. I'm already booked out till fall. Uh, it's, it's, it's a tough situation. I mean, all the area tile or guys that are around here, I mean, they're booked till this fall already. So, I mean, if you're, you got to get on the list or put it in crop and then we can put it in and get the beans up and going and then it's not an issue. Hey, speak about uh, getting supplies on hand. What about tile? Is there a good supply of tile and parts, or are you having any issues at all? Actually, tiles, actually, I mean, you can get tile now. They caught up over the winter months. It was pretty expensive this fall to buy it. Um, you know, it did make a big jump, but it has receded. Um, I just got a call from my distributor last week, said he could have it delivered for 4-inch for 39 cents a foot so um that's down a dime from last fall and uh five inches down about maybe 25 cents from this fall but it wasn't what it was previous you know sure sure uh, that kind of thing so yeah i know the the four inch like you mentioned there's a lot of a lot of guys talking about 50 cent four inch tile there for a while but uh that that makes a big difference because i know a lot of our lateral runs four inch uh covers a lot of ground and and moves a lot of water yeah, it does. You know, not, a lot of guys are, you know, shied away, but um, we're just at a new norm of what it is. And really for what land prices are bringing now, there's you're still only at a 10%, you know, investment over the lifetime of the land. So it's still, I mean, it costs, the cost to do it, I guess, is relevant to what everything is at the moment. So. Well, you're exactly right about that. I know Brandon and I just got in this discussion this morning about return on investment that, you know what, sure, the, some of these input costs are up. There's no question about that. But look at our chance on a great return on investment. If we can raise more $7 a bushel corn, it doesn't take a whole lot of bushels to cover an extra few cents a foot on the tile. Yeah, and especially if guys are willing to, uh, you know, do some uh, – out till 23, I know myself, I sold some 23 corn already um, just to lock that in. I just can't give up, can't give up some of that, you know, early money, um, pays for a lot of basic stuff right away and um, secures you paying, you know, making your towel payment or getting the next towel project done. Well, I know most of the ag bankers out there too that are familiar with tile. They're they're all in. They know they know what a chance they've got to make money here over the next couple of years on the farm. And drain tile is certainly one thing that helps a lot and makes it more predictable out in the fields. We're talking with Kevin Lippert here with Lippert Tile over in Minnesota. Kevin, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Stay safe this spring. I know you guys are super busy. Yep. Thanks much.
Let's head over to South Dakota. Got our friend Jim on with us right now. Jim, what's up? Hey, guys. I got some corn planted last week, but I got a little bit of trouble. I dissed her once and uh, got it so I could get planting, and I had some rye on it, and uh, it was a little cool to spray the rye, I think, with Roundup. It should be, what, 65 or 70, I think, I learned, and uh, about two quarts an acre, I think, um, about... You know, I roughed it up, but it's coming back. We had about an inch and a half of rain where I live, southwest a little, and uh, it was a beautiful rain. And uh, I suppose, how long should I wait? Uh, what's the optimum time, I guess, to hit that rye and only have to put that expensive roundup on it once? Well, the problem is you don't know what's going to come later. So you can kill everything that's there right now if you wait and let the weather warm up here, like, for example, over the weekend. Uh, spraying early next week would be just fine. They're they're talking like in our area, 65, 70 degree highs here for a few days. So that's perfect. You want to just let the weather warm up a little bit. You'll have active growth and you can kill it. And it's not going to take two quarts. If the weather's warm, one quart uh, will do it if we're talking six pound roundup. So I, I just say it, my concern is simply how many more plants are going to be coming later. But I don't know that you can worry about that because my problem that I've got is right now that rye is going to be hurting your corn. If that corn seed's in the ground and the rye is still growing, we want it dead as soon as possible. So if it's me on my farm, I'm probably going to go spray, let's call it early next week on a non-windy day, which I know seems impossible, but uh, (laughs) winds winds blowing a million (laughs) miles an hour every day. Temp 70, yeah. Uh Uh-huh, exactly. But I did uh, put surpass down, so... Okay. You know, yeah. Right after I planted it. So. Yeah, and the, and and the surpass will give you very very slight suppression of the rye. It's it's barely going to slow it up though. So I just hit it with Roundup once, and then later this let, let's call it in um, three weeks or a month or whatever when you're actually spraying your broadleaf weeds in corn. Throwing some Roundup in there, assuming this is Roundup ready corn. If it is Roundup ready corn, yeah, you throw is. a little Roundup in uh, with a, with your broadleaf killer, and at that point, the Roundup's going to work even better because it'll be warmer. So I just say I, I think you're going to be fine. Just hit it once with Roundup now, and then hit it again when you spray broadleaves, and you'll have it all gone. Okay. All right. And then one other quick question: Is yep. any of your corn? Is it popping up yet, or is it oh, no. too cold? Or you? No, you got to get to. It has even, sprouted though, Jim. So it's starting to grow a yeah, little bit, it but it's not out of the ground. Yeah, but okay. you got to get to at least eighty growing degree units, even with the seed treatment stuff we have on there to pop it out faster. Normal emergence time takes a hundred growing degree days. Uh, we we're not we're not close to that yet, but it won't be too long. Yeah, that, yeah. So yep, another another no, think, probably ten yeah. days. And like you said, it's supposed to be like three or four days near seventy this weekend. So yeah. I want to. Yep. I want to get on it. And, and should I, I mean, that rye, it's, you know, going to be six inches, I suppose, you know. Yep. That should, it should have enough. Oh, yeah. That he, he, yeah, the, uh, the rye is uh, plenty big enough. It. You just want it actively growing, and that's why we want that weather a little warmer, and then the Roundup will work better. Hey, Jim, we got to run, but thanks a lot for the call. Appreciate thanks, the guys. questions, Bye. and best of luck. Talking about tiling in crop on today's Ag PhD radio show and taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. 
If you've ever wondered how the Farmall got its name, here's an abbreviated list of the jobs the Case IH Farmall can do. Baling, cutting hay, feeding, hauling, loading, pulling, raking, cleaning barn, mixing feed, fertilizing, mowing, chopping, seeding, clearing, irrigating, furrowing, cultivating, hitching, digging, emergency tow, harrowing, hoisting, leading parades, excavating, grading. <sighs> Let's make it simple. This tractor does it all. So no matter what you're doing, can do comes in red. Farmall. Learn more at caseih.com farmall. Help keep the toughest, most resistant diseases out of your fields with Lucento Fungicide from FMC. An exclusive novel premix of two modes of action delivers broad-spectrum control and a long-lasting protective residual. Tackle key diseases in corn, soybeans, wheat, peanuts, and sugar beets. Choose Lucento Fungicide from FMC. Visit your FMC retailer or lucento.ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow label directions for use. Come to the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event this summer. Here at Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support and encourage folks entering the ag industry. That's why we're devoting a full day, Saturday, June 25th, to the free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event. Though this day is geared towards high school and college students as well as young farmers, anyone with a desire to learn more about agronomy is more than welcome. Our hands-on sessions in the field will include a comprehensive guide to scouting, ways to improve soil and crop health, the role of natural microbes in farming, and how to best collect and manage on-farm data. Plus, we're giving away tens of thousands of dollars in scholarships to eligible attendees. So whether you're a college student or just want some good agronomy information, this is one event you won't want to miss. It's the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships Day, Saturday, June 25th on the Hefty Farm near Baltic, South Dakota. Learn more and register at agphd.com. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutritia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. What does it really mean to provide the best crop nutrition? With AgroLiquid, it means getting a one-of-a-kind approach, one that caters to your specific agronomic needs. You're getting experts who will work with you to create a program unique to your operation, all while accounting for the quality of your soil and the products you're already using. It's not just a product, it's peace of mind knowing we've thought of everything. That's the AgroLiquid way. Apply less, expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Talking about tiling on today's program, tiling in crop even. And we're taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll head back to the phone lines here. Got Bruce Van Dyken on with us right now with Vissen Van Dyken Drainage. Uh, Bruce, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on today. You bet. No problem. Glad I could be here. Did you get a little break in the action with the rain coming through, or did that even slow you guys down? Uh, Monday. Monday was a little too wet for us, uh, but yeah, Tuesday morning things dried up real quick and uh, right back at it. So, yep. 
You know, the the uh, weather this spring has been quite interesting, and for a lot of guys, they've had work they want to get done, and it just hasn't worked out for them, so now we're trying to get the crop in, and uh, I know we run into this on our farm a lot. Well, we got some tile, we got some rolls of tile sitting on a piece of my ground right now that, nope, there's no way it's getting in before planting. We're going to have to do it after. What do you think of that strategy, doing it after planting? Yeah, I, I, I really think it's a good idea. Um especially in a year like this where you we got pushed way back because of the frost that held on late um wet um and then you guys uh you farmers with your big equipment it it doesn't take you long to plant a quarter and you're right down behind us again so um it's a good idea it uh it gets your uh gets your foot in the door too when you get your mains in you know the rest is going in later so um yeah it works out it works out well you know you're on the you know you're on the list then when you get your mains in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I think about it this way too. Uh, I've heard a lot of guys say, well, you know, we'll wait till fall and, and maybe it'll be drier. And I say, maybe it might be a lot wetter. <laughs> you just don't know what kind of fall you're going to get. We don't have any guarantee that it's not going to freeze early and uh, we're going to have all kinds of weather delays in the fall. And you certainly aren't going to stop harvesting to to try and go tile. And if you're, you're having bad weather, you got to get that crop out of the field. So I like knowing where we're at right now. And yeah, it's going to warm up and and things are going to cure up out there pretty fast absolutely yep no i i the mains in the summer they always go in nice too you know you're not wrecking the ground um with you know slogging through mud and and stuff like that and compaction is not as big an issue um uh yeah you, you run down a little crop but it's really really not a, a big deal what are you guys seeing now out in the fields? We had uh, in in a lot of areas we had a couple of dry years. Now this one's getting a little wetter. Uh, what is what does soil conditions look like when you get down a few feet? Um, still pretty dry. At least out in South, we're out in South Dakota right now, out in the Salem McCook County area, um, and it's quite dry over here yet. Um, this last rain really was the the first rain that they got. Um, everything seems to be dodging around them, going north and stuff. You get back into Minnesota, all the way, um, I'm from Laverne area. Laverne is, is pretty uh, reasonable yet. You start getting toward Worthington, Wyndham, and, and east all the way to Wisconsin. Uh, they're really wet. And uh, we got some guys that are really struggling out there. Got a friend up in Morris, Minnesota, too. Um, really, really said it's, it's, it's wet up there. They had a wet fall, lots of snow, wet again this spring. So they're really struggling not having much fun. Well, a lot of times with tiling, making that decision sooner rather than later is important to get you on the list and, and get a contractor lined up and, and putting you on the schedule. But then you get weather like this where you may have wanted to be up at Morris doing some work and it finds you a little further west out in South Dakota where you can go. So those South Dakota guys might have just moved up your list a little bit. Yeah, yep. Sometimes it works that way, especially in the spring. It seems like... Um, you know, even frost coming out, we do some work down into Iowa, Boyden Hall area, and man, they can they can be a week or two ahead of us as far as the frost coming out, and quite often we'll we'll start off down there and just kind of work our way up and over into South Dakota. So, anything new or different with with rules or anything that farmers need to be thinking about right now if they're they're considering putting some tile in once that crop is already in the ground. Um, nothing that I can see. There seems like there's, there's some changes from county to county that, that can affect guys, you know, 
just be up to up to snuff on on what you can and can't do. That's that's one thing I would suggest. Um, you don't want to get bit by doing something you're you're not supposed to be doing. Um, so I'll, we'll even sometimes double check with guys, uh, check with the county, uh, make sure that what they're doing is okay. Um, just because, uh, yeah, sometimes they don't know. Sometimes it's their first time tiling, and they're not quite sure what they're allowed to do. So just uh, ask questions and, and get advice, and the county is usually willing to help, and, and a lot of guys are, are very helpful. And getting all your approvals done well in advance, you never know when that schedule is going to change, and it's go time in your area. So so be ready for that as it comes up to talk with Bruce Van Dyken with Viss and Van Dyken Drainage. Bruce, good luck to you guys. Hope uh, hope the weather keeps working in your favor so you guys can keep rolling. Thanks so much. You bet. Thanks. Uh, we got Charlie Schaefer with us right now with AgriDrain. Uh, Charlie, busy time of the year. There's a lot of tiling going on. Yeah, there certainly is. Uh, hi, guys. Thanks for uh, allowing me to jump on today. Uh, it's always a fun time in the spring, you know, but, of course, it's a mixed bag because we never, never know what we're going to be offered up in terms of weather and how uh, soon that window is going to close on us. No, that's for sure. That's for sure. And then you look at some of the issues, too, like $6 diesel fuel in parts of the country and uh, issues getting trucking done and, and parts and all these kinds of things. What What kind of advice do you have for growers here in the spring of 2022? Well, I think just always plan ahead as much as possible and, and uh, try to select a uh, good, solid contractor who can uh, move through their work list fast enough to get to you on time and, and get that work done. We're, we're seeing a lot of interest now, though, also in drainage water management and, and to get the design correct. So even if you choose not to necessarily put in water level control structures or sub-irrigation components. If you design the system initially with that in mind, then you can always come back in and retrofit. And NRCS is offering some really attractive technical and financial assistance on those types of systems as well. So you can kind of safeguard yourself uh, against some of these crazy weather patterns. You know, uh, Brian and I were just talking about an article that had come out the other day just criticizing uh, the NRCS and where they're putting money in these programs. Personally, we don't think they're putting enough into drainage improvements. We, we've really, really enjoyed the, the water quality coming out of our drain tiles. It's been fantastic, and we found a lot less erosion, as has been proven over the last generation or two, uh, once you get drainage tile in the ground. What, what do you have to say about that, Charlie? I guess you guys probably saw the same things we were looking at. We have, you know, and, and in the past, they've tried to promote drainage water management, but it's been primarily with the use of manual water level control structures. And as we all know, we like to automate as much stuff as we can. And, and in ag, we certainly need to embrace technology. And now with the, the line of automation that, that we have available for the producer and the NRCS willingness to, to offset the cost on that makes quite a difference. We had a contractor, for instance, uh, with uh, uh, farms as well. He has 400 acres out in Illinois. He said, you know, I'm, I need to look at this drainage water management stuff and figure out what I can do and maybe put some water back into the system. So help me understand what the options are from design standpoint and for equipment and automation. And, and so those are the kind of conversations we're having more and more often these days. And, and one thing we're seeing is that USDA spent a lot of time talking about climate change and, and they're talking about mitigation and carbon sequestration and greenhouse gas emissions and, and I guess all that's fine. But on the other side, they'll also tell you that regardless of what we do in terms of uh, 
reduction in greenhouse gas emissions and carbon sequestration that that we're going to be faced with these types of weather conditions are baked into the system for a long time for years to come decades actually so what we're seeing is a little more emphasis and and resources put towards more of an adaptation resilience approach to weatherproof these farms and that's what we support and promote say look if we're going to invest a lot of money let's put it into our resource base here let's protect the land that that we all depend on uh, for food fuel fiber and, and feed and and so those are the types of things that we are really encouraging usda to, to strongly promote and and provide a lot of resources for if we can come in and put in really manageable drainage systems and and capture uh and, and reuse facilities ponds deeper wetlands things like that i think we can make a big difference in peak flow and yield loss and nutrient loss oh great points charlie uh, we're, we're talking with charlie schaefer here with AgriDrain. uh charlie thank you so much we really appreciate that message that's fantastic and uh good luck to you guys i know this spring is going to be a busy time so uh stay safe and and we'll talk again soon Thank you, sir. Appreciate the opportunity. We're going to talk about some of these areas of the fields and making them more productive as well as we continue our discussion on drain tile on today's Ag PhD radio show. Weather or not, relentless control is what you get with Anthem Max Herbicide from FMC. Protect your season from tough broadleaf weeds and grasses with dual modes of action and overlapping residuals that also minimize resistance. With an easy-to-tank mix formulation and wide application window, Anthem Max Herbicide is ready when you are. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. It's planting season. Race against the clock season. Mistakes can't happen season. And no one helps you face it all like John Deere. Putting technology in your hands that gets you in and out of the field faster that makes your spacing and depth more accurate, and that gives you the confidence that this season will be your best season. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground. Be sure to attend the 2022 Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. The Ag PhD Field Day isn't until the last Thursday in July, but we invite you to mark your calendars today for our biggest event ever. Each summer on the last Thursday in July, we invite you to attend the Ag PhD Field Day. The reason we invite farmers from across the country and around the world to our farm each summer is to say thank you. Ag PhD TV has had a brand new episode each week for 24 years, and we've been doing a radio show almost as long as well. At this year's Ag PhD Field Day, we'll have way more equipment and equipment demonstrations than we've ever had before. We've got a lot of new technologies we'll put into our research plots on site, and we'll have great family entertainment, including a kid's area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and free food and drinks all throughout the day. Please go to agphd.com to learn more, and don't forget to join us on Thursday, July 28th for the free Ag PhD Field Day. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. Hi, I'm Greg Souter at 360 Yield Center. 
Getting more nitrates into the corn plant drives yields higher. When and where you place your nitrogen makes a big difference in packing nitrates into the ear. 360 Y-Drop places in right over the roots. It's the most efficient way to move nitrates into the plant for better tip fill and heavier kernels. Convert your side dress bar to 360 Y-Drop. Learn more at 360yieldcenter.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. If you have an agronomic question or would like to discuss our topic today, tiling in crop. We've got Matt Helmers on with us right now with Iowa State to talk about it. Matt, how you doing? Great. How are you? You know, we are doing well. We got quite a bit of our crop in, and hopefully if we miss this next rain, we'll... We'll get the rest of it in not too long after, but uh, a lot of guys are struggling with this, and and part of it, and uh, farmers that I've talked to said, you know, we've gotten a lot of rain, and then of course there's areas out in the field that we probably need more tile. So guys are talking about putting some tile in the ground in crop. What what have you seen with that in previous years? Uh, with within the crop, uh, you know, we probably haven't seen a tremendous amount with that once the the crop's in, but. Uh, Oh, I guess a little bit. And, you know, probably the biggest thing is just making sure that uh, somebody's doing a good job of minimizing kind of their, their trafficking out there um, as they're doing that. You know, as we look at fields across Iowa, what, what are the soil conditions like now through most of the state? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. It's, it's cool. I just looked at our soil temperature map. Uh, most of Iowa is still not up, up above 50 degrees soil temp and pretty moist. Um, We've gotten some some pretty darn good rains uh, in many areas of Iowa. Just drove to northwest Iowa on Sunday and uh, pretty wet conditions. And then we got a little more rain down here in, in central Iowa since then. Um, definitely see some fields that have been tiled, though, this spring already. So I think it's been, you know, getting out there. And those are probably already starting to, to help out those individual producers. Hey, I'm glad you mentioned that because this is a question we all often get. All right, if we put tile in the ground, how soon will it start making a difference? Yeah, I, that that's a great question. And we put in, you know, a number of drainage water quality research facilities. And we've seen, you know, we see water starting to come out of there right away. So I think it helps um, right away. I think that over time, we probably develop a little bit more flow pathway. So it probably is enhanced as we move forward. But, you know, we definitely see it right away. Um, I'll tell you that Example of that is in uh, August of 2019, we put some new tile in uh, one of our research farms up in northwest Iowa, and uh, we put it in um, one evening. They put in the laterals and the main, and then we were going to tie in a bioreactor the next day, and um, we found out there was a lot of flow going down that main already, uh, just from from, the 12 hours. So I can tell you it flows right away. Yeah, you needed to do that in 2012, Matt, when it was bone dry we, out there. We need to do it in 2012, or if somebody's ever going to do that, before you tie in the whole system, put the control structure in on the main before you put in all the laterals in the field, because then you have your main in before you get water coming down. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt about that. Speak about those bioreactors. What are you seeing, Matt? What's your research showing? Yeah, we're we're showing, you know, good nitrate reductions with these 40 to 60 percent and seeing a lot more go in uh, throughout Iowa. I think there's been some innovative uh, ways to, to get those in in a couple counties here in Polk County and Story County. 
um, through uh, the Ag Drainage Management Coalition and some partnerships with with uh, with the counties. And so a lot more bioreactors going in, in in Iowa, for sure. Yeah, it's interesting. How about phosphorus? Do you have much issue with phosphorus at all? And if so, we, what can you do about it? Yeah, that's that's a good question as well. We just had somebody talk about that last week, Dr. Chad Penn, that's with USDA ARS. And so we do see, you know, we see lower concentrations of nitrate or uh, excuse me, of phosphorus in our tile drainage water. But there still is some, especially from fields that may have uh, elevated soil test phosphorus. And so what what Dr. Penn has been looking at is kind of some filter um, routing that through almost similar to a bioreactor, but in this case, it may be some type of um, metal media or, um, you know, iron slag, um, um, iron filings, metal shavings uh, that would absorb that phosphorus onto it and then release that downstream um, at lower concentrations. So uh, that's that's something that's being looked at a little more across the Midwest, uh, specifically for phosphorus coming from tile drainage lines. There's always a lot of research going on, and Iowa State is one of the places doing quite a bit of it. we got Matt Helmers on right now uh, talking about drain tile. Matt, thank you so much. We really appreciate having you on, and, and good luck with all the research and the projects you got going this summer. All right. Thanks for having me on. You bet. All right, Brian, uh, tiling in crop, what percentage would you say of our farm tile that got put in happened in crop? Well, I could figure that out exactly. My guess is it's probably two-thirds, at least half. And I I just say I was very skeptical about tiling in crop until we actually did it. And here is kind of our – here are our rules for doing it ourselves on our farm. The first thing is we like tiling in crop because of the weather. So if you listen to Ag PhD Radio on a regular basis, you often hear us, and I, I'll apologize for this, we complain about the weather quite a bit because the weather in South Dakota, not super nice from basically November all the way through April. So now we're in May, and oh, it's lovely out there today. Uh, just as an example, it's 51 degrees with, I don't know, 10 to 15 mile an hour winds. And I'm joking here. It's not nice. But usually this in-crop tiling we're doing is in June. Well, in June, now you got some pretty decent temps. And the other nice thing is, and depending on where you live, you may not realize how many hours of daylight we have here in South Dakota, but it's a lot of hours of daylight. I mean, it's not really dark, dark until 10 p.m. during the month of June. Okay, well, if we can start at 5 a.m. and go till 10 p.m. and have light and we have heat, that's awesome. The other thing is we have traction. That's the number one thing when people ask us, well, how many horsepower do I need for my tractor to pull this tile plow through? I always say, look, it's way more about traction than it is horsepower because if you have dry ground that you can go on, I mean, you can pull through a lot of stuff. It's not that bad. But, boy, when you don't have traction, you're in trouble. Well, when it's June and it's a little bit drier for us typically, and certainly we have heat and we have lots of wind here, well, we're in pretty good shape. We can do most things. Okay, so uh, the other thing for us is I like to, don't have to, but I like to be done when the crop is a foot tall. So, in other words, when we finish planting, then we can go right to tiling and we'll tile in our corn for a few weeks. Then we can tile in our soybeans for a few weeks. And it's usually, 
uh, mid to late June before our soybeans are taller than a foot tall. Now, granted, um, it can really vary in your area, maybe a lot different than mine, but I'm just saying we do have a few weeks where we can be tiling. So hopefully if we're done planting everything by the middle of May, then we've got all the way until at least the middle of June, if not even late June. And the, the reason why I say one foot tall is because what we've kind of found is if the crop is a foot tall or shorter, corner soybeans I'm talking about here, then it doesn't seem like we do any yield damage at all. In fact, I would I would say we help the yield. So a lot of people get worried about tearing crop up, and I know that was a concern for my dad too, but it's like, look, we're pulling one shank, you know, here or there, I mean, maybe 50 feet apart. It's it's not a big deal. And yeah, we might be running over a little bit of crop, but again, no big deal. And this is a one-time thing, one time ever, hopefully, where we're out there tiling, we get it done, and now we're in great shape moving forward. Now, here's the other thing I would say. Where we've had fields where we had to pattern tile, that's where we said, oh, okay, let's plant some wheat or let's just make it a con- have a concerted effort that, look, this is one of the first fields we're going to harvest this fall and we'll tile it right away in the fall or something like that. My point is, if we were going to put lateral lines in every 20 or 30 feet, yeah, I don't really want to be out there when we've got standing crop. But if all we're doing is putting in a few main lines, a few laterals, we're hitting some spots in fields, things like that, boy, it is no big deal. And I am all for tiling in crop. So yes, we've done it both ways, in crop or not having crop there. I prefer to not have crop there. It is easier. Don't have to worry about anything. But when we first started doing our own tiling, one of the things that our dad said, because we told him, yeah, we're going to do some tiling in crop. And he goes, well, the good news is you just got done planting it. So now you know for sure where the wet areas are. So you know where that tile's really going to pay. Anyway, tile has paid off so well for us on our farm. And it does for farmers we work with all over the world. So that's why we're so passionate about it. We talk about it on a fairly regular basis. We'd encourage you to take a look at it as well. All right, we'll get back to your questions in the Ag PhD mailbag right after this. Boost your productivity and profitability with Soil Warrior from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and your yield potential in just one strip-till pass. Now that's ROI. Contact us today at SoilWarrior.com. Farmers everywhere are discovering Germinator closing wheels. Dick from Iowa says, in every case, our germination rate was better than expected. Total destruction of the furrow sidewall and ideal seed-to-soil contact. See what others are saying at farmshopmfg.com. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. When you pull your side dress bar out of the shed, do you dread the time and expense of replacing worn colders and bearings? There's a better way. Hi, Greg Souter, 360 Yield Center. 360 Wide Drop for side dress bars is a quick, low-cost upgrade that cuts maintenance costs. Plus, you're likely to get a yield boost from moving nitrogen from the middle of the row to the root zone. Save time, money, and boost yield potential with 360 Wide Drop Side Dress. 
At AgPhD, we want to support anyone with a desire to learn more about agronomy. That's why we're devoting a full day, Saturday, June 25th, to the free AgPhD Scouting and Scholarships event. In-field sessions include a comprehensive guide to scouting, ways to improve soil and crop health, and how to best collect and manage on-farm data. Plus, we're giving away tens of thousands of dollars in scholarships to eligible attendees, so this is one event that you won't want to miss. Learn more and register for the AgPhD Scouting and Scholarships event at agphd.com. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. That's why Morton Buildings ensures that every machine storage and insulated workshop we build will provide superior strength and durability. As a 100% employee-owned company, we're all committed to being the industry leader with a focus on innovation, service, quality, and most importantly, customer satisfaction. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio and our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head into the Ag PhD mailbag again. We get this one in uh, from Daniel in South Central Minnesota. He said, I'm planting 30,000 corn pop going for a 240 bushel yield goal. That'd be eight bushels per thousand. So that's, that's right in the wheelhouse, Daniel. That's, that's a good goal for that population. He said, I got some manure that we're putting out there, uh, six tons an acre of chicken litter uh, that I'm sending you. We put that on in the fall. Then we put also another 60 pounds of map and 75 pounds of potash and tilled it all in eight or nine inches. Then spring, uh, our plan is 200 pounds of urea, 127 pounds of ammonium sulfate, uh, 13 pounds of 35% zinc, and 10 pounds of 15% boron, and that we're going to till in at about 3 or 4 inches. Then in furrow, uh, we've got well water, and we're going to treat with water right and bioprep. And we're putting on uh, alpha complete, a biological, putting on capture, some sugar, and looking at some micros and a few okay, other so things. Okay, so what's the question here? So what do you think about that program? Uh, we... Are curious about the the chicken litter. What you think about that, and if we have enough dry fertilizer to reach our two hundred forty bushel goal? All right. Well, here's my concern with the chicken litter. We don't have a what's supposed to be available this year figure on your your report here. So what it's telling us is, for example, in the nitrogen, thirty one pounds of nitrogen for every ton. So you said six tons. So we're talking one hundred. That's one hundred eighty six pounds. Of nitrogen. But here's the problem. 3.3 of those pounds are ammonium and 27.7 are organic nitrogen. And it's usually that organic nitrogen that a lot of times people will figure half. Sometimes it'll be less than that. So, But I, I still don't know. So my point is there's a lot of that nitrogen that probably out of that chicken litter is not going to be available this year. 
So let's just say that only a third of it's available. So let's say I got 60 pounds out of that. And then on urea, let's see, you said 200. So we're talking 92 pounds out of that. You got ammonium sulfate, 127. So you get roughly, let's call it 30 pounds out of that. So what do I have there? 180. I got 180 pounds that's available that I feel like for sure is available for 240 bushel corn. Plus, so my concern. Plus, you look at this year. Uh, if you pulled soil samples, well, uh, that yeah. doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. What does matter is that before you're going to side dress, you do a pre-side dress nitrate test. So Darren was getting at carryover nitrogen and organic matter mineralization. I mean, I don't care about any of that stuff. What I care about is what's actually sitting there in the soil for my corn when I need it. So you got a good start between the urea, the AMS, and the, the the litter, but make sure you're testing in season for how much nitrogen's sitting there in that soil, and at that point, you might need to add more. So that's really my big concern. It sounds to me, and it looks to me like you should have, theoretically, enough P and K and some of the other nutrients, but Darren, did you have a soil? T- you didn't have a complete soil test there. So without a complete soil test, I can't tell you for sure. But what, what you said there is it sounded pretty good. Sounds like you're investing quite a bit in the crop. And <laughs> I've brought this up to a lot of people the last couple of months. Like, look, on our farm, I look at what our yield potential is, and I look at what the corn price is, and I'm going, I'm willing to spend, I'm willing to do whatever I have to do in terms of put more fertility out, fungicide, insecticide, miticide, maybe herbicide. I don't care because my goodness, there's so much potential gross revenue. I don't want to lose it by not spending an extra five or 10 or 20 bucks. So I, I'm glad that you're doing some of these micros. I just, like I say, don't know, you know, what your soil ratios are or anything else. So I can't tell you for sure, but from the way it sounds, it looks like you're doing some pretty good stuff there. All right. Thanks for the question. Uh, get this one in from Eric. He said, I'm a research and development scientist for a turf grass and ornamental company. And I heard you guys talking about spraying around the, the lawn and I had some questions regarding product development. If offered a choice, would you rather spread a pesticide on the lawn as a granular or use a liquid application in the lawn? First question. Well, the nice thing with the granule is it's, it's a lot safer to work with. You don't have to worry about the fumes. You don't have to worry about getting spilling the stuff and it ends up as a liquid possibly getting absorbed into your skin. There's less chance for volatility if, let's say, we were it's the lawn now and we can control that and we can put water on it right away. I mean, I'd rather do dry. There are a lot of people that are probably going to tell you the opposite because it might for them be easier to go liquid, but I prefer dry. All right. Then his question of liquid applications, would you prefer something applied with a backpack sprayer or do you feel there's more potential for a garden hose and sprayer with easy to use instructions <laughs> or a ready to use sprayer where it's all mixed up for you and you just buy a one-time use thing? Well, that sounds interesting, but otherwise it's backpack sprayer. Backpack sprayer would be the, the way to go. I can't imagine that putting something on the end of a hose, you're going to be able to control that very well accurately at all. It'd be extremely easy to put on a 4x rate or a 1 fourth rate so i don't love that idea for me it's a backpack sprayer if it was going to be liquid 
All right. Thanks for the question, Eric. And thanks for uh, developing great new products for us for, for lawn care. That's awesome. This one from Ron who said, with all the talk around carbon and how to reduce our carbon footprint, the ethanol plants talk about collecting carbon and pumping it across several states and then injecting it deep in the earth. Why would it work or not work to inject it in the soil to build carbon levels? Okay, so first of all, what I'm told is that that carbon dioxide should make the wells more efficient and it's better than some of the other things that they're pumping down there. Okay, if that's true. So I don't know. I'm not a, a, a geologist. I'm not a scientist that deals with oil production. So if that's true, and I don't know that it is, but if that's true, that sounds like a great thing. Okay. In terms of the carbon credits, I mean, that also sounds like a great thing. Now, the trans transporting this stuff all the way there over hundreds of miles, that seems... A little crazy. Uh, so when I first heard this, I'm like, oh, my goodness. I mean, nobody can conclusively for sure prove that we got a carbon dioxide problem anyway. I, I mean, and if we do, then every person in the world should be pouring more money into all of us farmers so we can produce more crop because the higher the yield, the more carbon dioxide we sequester. So all I'm saying is there are other ways to go about this thing if there actually was a carbon dioxide problem, which I don't believe that there is. But there may be. I don't know. So anyway, it's it's one of these things where um, I'm I'm certainly interested in what they're talking about, but it looks like a lot of investment. And quite frankly, at the end of the day, we don't know for sure that we need to spend that money. Because the way I look at it, there was more carbon dioxide, I don't remember how many millions of years ago, 40 million years ago or whatever it was on the earth, I got the stats, uh, and our, our, core, our earth's temperature was much hotter than today, and it's like, well, the earth seemed to survive. So anyway, I, 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 I don't know. So I, I, I'm not, again, a scientist who knows anything about the, the whole carbon dioxide, pumping it down into the earth for the oil. But to me, that seems like that could be a pretty nice benefit. And certainly for the ethanol plants, if now they have lowered their carbon footprint, well, then all of a sudden, a lot of these complaints about ethanol would seem to go away. Ethanol's by far the safest fuel that there is, even in front of batteries, even in front of I mean, just literally anything. If you look at to produce and dispose of, whether it's batteries for battery-powered cars, wind turbines, solar panels, any of these alternative energy sources, ethanol's by far the winner already. And boy, if the carbon footprint was reduced even further, then that just puts it that much more ahead of everything else. Yeah, sure seems like a no-brainer. Thanks for the question. We really appreciate that, Ron. I got this from Michael. He said, do you guys have any suggestions for us home gardeners for do-it-yourself soil tests? Where should we send them? Uh, well, Michael, you could just look up MidwestLabs.com if you don't have a local soils lab near you. And they'd have lots of details for you on how to pull the sample, where to send it, and what to do. And speaking of soils, uh, got a comment here from Two Happy Children Farm. Uh 
really happy that you guys have the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal app because we are concerned with the price of fertilizer this year. Hey, thanks, guys. We really appreciate that. Yeah, it's a, it's a handy tool to know exactly how much you need to raise a crop. Thanks for listening to our show today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.